It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. A new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. Welcome to ParCast Crime Bites. We wanted to give our listeners some additional content to help them dive even deeper into the true crime world. Every week, in addition to your normal Crimes of Passion episode, we're exploring the most fascinating true crime themes covered across the ParCast network. We've collected short clips from some of our most popular ParCast originals to help us explore ideas like motivation, method, and madness, and show how interconnected the true crime world really is. You can find the original episodes of these for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. A list of episodes that we used will be posted in the episode description. Today, we're discussing prison escapes. How common are prison escapes? And what methods of escape are the most successful? It's difficult to nail down exactly how many prison escapes occur each year. A difference in statewide counting protocols have a confusing effect on the U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics, which report that 2,000 inmates escape per year. The problem is that those numbers include technicality escapes, like when a parolee comes back to his halfway house an hour after curfew, or an inmate wanders off from highway work duty. Actual Hollywood-style prison escapes are extremely rare, but there's one thing that they usually have in common, accomplices. Prison culture expert Michelle Y. Deitch says that gaining dependable accomplices can be a large hurdle for potential escapees to overcome, as it can be difficult to trust fellow inmates while planning an escape. Of course, some lucky inmates don't have to trust other prisoners at all. Deitch says that especially cunning inmates form friendships and bonds with guards, garnering inside assistance with their escape. But which inmates are most likely to start planning a breakout at all? Researchers have long tried to answer this question. Iowa State researchers published a 1977 study in Criminal Justice and Behavior, which examined female escapees. They found that the females who break out of prison skew younger, have longer sentences, and have mental health traits that include impulsivity, adjustment problems, and manipulation. 
Researchers in Georgia ran a similar study with male escapees and found that like females, the males who escape prison tend to be young. In today's Crime Bites, we'll examine three of history's real-life prison escapes and see what factors came into play. Our first clip is from Gone, covering one of the most well-known prison escapes in true crime history, the Alcatraz escape. In June of 1962, Frank Morris and brothers John and Clarence Anglin escaped from the maximum security prison, Alcatraz. But before Frank Morris became the brains behind the infamous Alcatraz escape, he was a frequent jailbird and had a lot of practice in escaping prison. Frank Morris is generally regarded as the mastermind of the escape. Having Clint Eastwood play you in a movie will help your reputation like that. Born in 1926, Morris spent a large portion of his youth in foster homes before spending most of his known adult life in various prisons. He was orphaned when he was 11, and his earliest recorded conviction occurred when he was only 13. He was sent to National Training School for Boys and spent the remainder of his childhood in various juvenile detention facilities. By the time he reached his 20th birthday, Morris's rap sheet included armed robbery, burglary, and narcotics possession. After serving time for various crimes in the state penitentiaries of Georgia and Florida, Frank was sentenced to 10 years in Louisiana State Prison in 1952. He was only 25 at the time. Allegedly, Frank Morris had an IQ of 133, which would put him just below genius classification. During his incarceration in Louisiana, he put his intellect to work, devising escape plan after escape plan. Around 1959, one of those plans worked. Frank escaped, but was captured a year later. By this point, Frank's criminal history and proven ability to escape warranted him a spot in the country's most famous prison. Alcatraz was considered the last resort prison for troublesome inmates. If a criminal was too violent for a normal facility to handle, or if they repeatedly attempted breakouts, they were sent to Alcatraz. Frank arrived in 1960, and despite the intimidating geography of the fortress, he immediately started planning his escape. In that clip from Gone, Frank Morris gained a reputation as a frequent prison escapee, which led to his imprisonment in Alcatraz. Alcatraz was considered to hold the worst of the worst of inmates and was built to be escape-proof. Guards checked on inmates a dozen times a day, the cell doors were made of steel bars, and most intimidating of all, the island prison was surrounded by rough sea. But Frank John and Clarence successfully escaped by drilling out of their cells with homemade tools and crafting lifeboats out of stolen raincoats. They moved so quickly on the night of their escape that by the early morning guard check, the threesome was gone. They remain the only inmates to ever successfully escape from Alcatraz and have never been seen again. Like frequent flyer Frank Morris, our next prison escapee made a habit out of prison breaks. Coming up, the second prison break of serial killer Ted Bundy. Hi, listeners. Have you heard Parcast's newest original series yet? It's called Medical Murders, and it exposes a dark and disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. 
Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join my good friend host Alastair Merton as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the show. So far, we've heard how Frank Morris committed a series of prison breaks until his final meticulously planned escape from Alcatraz. Our next clip is from Serial Killers, and it covers the second prison break of infamous serial killer Ted Bundy. Bundy had spent the early 1970s killing women across five states in the Pacific Northwest. In 1975, Carol Durant escaped from Bundy when he tried to abduct her. The information she gave police led to his arrest. At trial, Bundy elected to serve as his own attorney, and he became a frequent visitor of the law library in the courthouse. During one visit to the library, Bundy noticed the guard was turned away from him, so he slipped out a window and hit the ground running. Bundy was on the run for nearly a week before he was apprehended. When he returned to prison, he flashed his signature grin for the cameras. And as reporters crowded around him, he cracked jokes, downplaying his escape. He told them, honest to God, I just got sick and tired of being locked up. For the next five and a half months, Ted languished in prison, awaiting his murder trial. But he had no intention of setting foot in court. With a 25-pound head start after his escape, he continued to starve himself until he was thin enough to fit through an opening in the ceiling of his cell where a light fixture hadn't yet been installed. In the early hours of December 31, 1977, Ted made his move. At less than 140 pounds, he lifted himself through the hole in his ceiling and army crawled through the air shafts into the guard's apartment located above his cell. From there, he dropped into the room and stole a set of clothes. Then he walked out the front door. Ted Bundy, America's most prolific serial killer, escaped for the second time and slipped into the winter night. In that clip from Serial Killers, Ted Bundy walked out the front door of prison after his second prison break. This time, Bundy did not let his freedom go to waste. He traveled to Florida, and just one week after his arrival, he entered the sorority house of Chi Omega at Florida State University. Bundy killed two women and sexually assaulted two others in just under 15 minutes. Less than a month later, Bundy struck again, killing a 12-year-old girl. Four days later, Bundy was apprehended. He stood trial in 1979 for the Chi Omega murders and was sentenced to death. 
Bundy managed to free himself without anyone else's help. But our final clip covers an entire group breaking free with the help from someone outside of the prison walls. This clip comes from Parcast original Crimes of Passion and discusses notorious bank robbers and murderers Bonnie and Clyde. When 19-year-old Bonnie Parker first met 21-year-old Clyde Barrow, Clyde had already gained a reputation as a petty thief and carjacker. Bonnie and Clyde's love flourished quickly, but only three months after they met, Clyde was sent to prison. Bonnie had never committed a crime before, but she did not hesitate when Clyde asked her to retrieve a gun and smuggle it into the prison. This marked a turning point in their relationship. For the first time, Bonnie Parker officially broke the law to help her lover. Not only was this more than she would ever do for Roy, and now linked her to Clyde in the eyes of the law in the same way they were linked emotionally. The success of the escape exhilarated Bonnie. It ignited her adventurous side, a type of adrenaline that begged Bonnie to listen to it, to follow it, to feel that way again. She talked ceaselessly about Clyde, how they would run away together. He wasn't really all bad. The system had doctored him, forced him to lash out, and he got unlucky here and there was all. He could go straight. They would live in the woods with just their love and bird songs as company. Whether Bonnie truly believed Clyde was capable of reform is up for debate. But from this point forward, something about the adventure of running from the law called to Bonnie, and she would do little to resist in the years to come. After several days on the run, Clyde wired Bonnie from Illinois. He was all right. He had to keep moving for some time. Whenever the coast was clear, he'd come for her. She'd done well. He loved her. Bonnie smiled at the praise, but her smile wouldn't last long. Only a week after escaping on March 18, 1930, Clyde was caught again in Middleton, Ohio. He was transferred back to McLennan County Jail in Texas, sentenced to 14 years in prison. In that clip from Crimes of Passion, Bonnie Parker slipped a gun to her incarcerated lover, Clyde Barrow, who used it to break out of prison. Clyde was recaptured, but despite his 14-year sentence, he was released only two years later. Bonnie and Clyde, along with members of the Barrow Gang, then went on a two-year spree, murdering and robbing banks across several southern states. And when Clyde or other members of the gang were arrested, they helped spring each other out again and again. Today, we heard about three different prison breaks. In Gone, Frank Morris and John and Clarence Anglin spent months loosening the air vents in their cells and crafting lifeboats from raincoats to make their successful escape from Alcatraz, never to be seen again. In Serial Killers, Ted Bundy first slipped out of a courthouse law library window, then donned the clothes of a guard in order to run away. And in Crimes of Passion, Bonnie Parker committed her first crime by smuggling a gun into prison to help free her new lover, Clyde Barrow. Like the research suggests, all of the prison escapees were male and fairly young, with 35-year-old Frank Morris being the oldest person featured in our clips today. 
accomplices were also nearly always employed. It took all three of the Alcatraz escapees to break out, and Clyde was assisted not only by Bonnie, but two other inmates. Only Ted Bundy was able to slip away on his own. Thanks for tuning into ParCast Crime Bites. We hope you enjoyed this episode on Prison Escapes. We'll be back next week with a new episode on Unholy Matrimony. We'll examine cases of scandalous affairs and murderous marriages. If you'd like to listen to the episodes we discussed today in full, simply search for our ParCast original shows, Gone, Serial Killers, or Crimes of Passion on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. I'll see you next time. Hi, listeners. Don't forget to check out the gripping new podcast original series, Medical Murders. From trauma surgeons to hospice staff, medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.